Game Notes is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know jazz ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. My favorite part of this Game Time app, it is so easy. You can check out for tickets in two taps just tap tap emphasis on the tap tap just get out of there so quickly get tickets blink of an eye so easy to do so head to the app store or google play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets Welcome to the Game Notes podcast about the Utah Jazz for The Athletic. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Tony Jones, who covers the Utah Jazz for The Athletic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell them to subscribe. All that jazz. Tony, what a disappointing weekend for the Utah Jazz. We talked about it. We talked about that trap game in Sacramento. Donovan Mitchell misses a shot uh, that could have given them the win, but they shouldn't have even have been that close in that game. They should have won that game, but they dropped the trap game to Sacramento. Then they come to LA and they, uh, they, they lose a, a pretty ugly game for the most part. It picked up a little bit in the second half, but a pretty ugly game for the most part. And uh, you know, they're, they're four and three, the sky is not falling, but that's just, it's disappointing to go uh, a chance to be three and zero on that, on that three games stint between the two games of the Clippers and the trap game with the Kings and walk away one and two. Well, that's why you shouldn't have lost the Kings, um, yep. right? Because yep, you know that's that's the game that you know that that you're favored in. That's the game you know you should win. And you know the Jazz. You know, I mean, uh, the Jazz they screwed around for three and a half quarters in that game, and they played five good minutes and um, and put themselves in position to win the game, and then they couldn't get a rebound, which was which is turning out to be a theme for this season because, you know, they're two straight games. They basically lost two straight games uh, this weekend because they could not rebound the basketball. You, you got to look at it like this, right? So the Jazz held Kawhi Leonard to 9 for 26 from the field. They held Lou Williams to 6 for 18 from the field. Um, they they held the Kings to something like 40% shooting overall. You have to win. I mean, the Clippers, you have to win that game. If you yeah. hold Kawhi Leonard on the road and Lou Williams um, to, to to a combined fifteen for forty four, you got to win that game, right? Not not only you got to win that game, you can't lose that game by eleven points. I know some of that just got away at the end, but like well, you can't, that you can't got lose away that at game the end because yeah, of the free but, throws, right? But right. still, like you. Like you, one, you got to win that game. Two, if you're gonna lose it, it's got to be on like a buzzer beater or something. Like that's yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't lose that game in that fashion. That's for sure. No, I think here's the thing, and 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 this is what I mean. I think this is positive for the Jazz in this sense, in the in the sense that you know the Jazz are not playing great basketball right now. They're playing great defense, but not they're not playing great basketball overall. Um, and you know they can still take Kawhi Leonard uh, and Lou Williams in down down to the down the stretch uh on the road you know it, it leads me to believe that there's a i mean once the jazz hit their ceiling they're going to win a lot of games this year but at the same time you can't drop the, the game to the kings 
We talked about that as a trap game. Donovan Mitchell talked about it as a trap game uh, on Friday morning in a shoot-around. The Jazz knew it was a trap game. Um, they knew the Kings would be desperate. They knew the Kings would come out and play a desperate a desperate basketball game, and they still, still came out late in that. You know, that's that's got to be disappointing. I talked to, to a member of the front office on Sunday, and, you know, and I said, well, maybe that, that wasn't a, a bad loss because, you know, the Jazz – you know, you, you guys are playing a desperate team. They came out and played desperate. And I was shut down immediately. The member of the front office like, no, no, Tony, that's a bad loss. Because, you know, great teams, they put those teams away. It doesn't matter if they come out and they screw around for three quarters. When it's winning time, they don't lose to those those teams. So, the, the, the not, I mean, not only was it disappointing for the Jazz, you know, I think it was disappointing for, for you know, those around the Jazz as well. Um, and you know, and, and, and it's disappointing in the matter that when you have a game on a road trip that you're supposed to win, you got to win it because it doesn't matter if you play well against the Clippers, you could still play a, a really good game against the Clippers and the Clippers could still beat you. So, you know, you, in this league, when you get those games on the schedule, you got to take care of those games, especially for the jazz. And I think that that's the, the, the lesson that they have to take going forward. From that road yeah. trip, yeah, they gave up 18 offensive rebounds to the Clippers on Sunday. 18, 18, and they were, man, 18, and it was, you know, it was, you know, Montrezl Harrell again and again and again, just you know, just kind of eating, eating on the offensive glass, and a lot of that was in the fourth quarter once Kawhi went nuclear. Yeah, the Jazz had to commit a lot of eyes to Kawhi, and that that really scrambled their defense and got them out of position, out out of rebounding position. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you, you know, you got to find a way to rebound it. And I think, I think the jazz were really ticked off that, you know, they were, they were spanked on the glass like that. Yeah. And I would say on top of that too, is that the bench was just horrendous in that game, right? Like the bench was really bad in that game. And so they constantly got put in a hole because of it. And, and part of that's going to get even worse now because we know Ed Davis is out for a little while with this injury, right? Yeah. You know, I thought Tony Bradley, who was at Davis's, um, uh, ironically, I mean, Tony Bradley, who's the third center, who's now the, the, the primary backup center. I thought he played, I thought he played well for, for under the circumstances, um, against the Clippers. Um, you know, I thought defensively, defensively, he was, he was bad in the second half. I thought he was fine in the first half. Uh, but offensively, he rebounded the basketball. He did he did the things that Tony Bradley can do, uh, um, you know. But I mean, he's not going to be Ed Davis, you know. He's right. not going to just go out there and inhale rebounds like Ed Davis is. So yeah, I've just know. I've never been I've never been big on Tony Bradley. You obviously have seen him a lot more than I have, just in the little things I've seen here and there. Like I don't I don't think he's like a a backup big man in this league, at least not yet. I'm not saying he can never get there, but in terms of like helping a, a playoff team, a content, a hopeful contending team, right? Like I, I just, he needs to learn so much in this short amount of time to get comfortable out there and he'll have some good moments. He, he did that. You like, you're right. He had good stretches on the offensive rebounds for a little bit. He blocked a couple of shots. It was okay. But, but you know, this league is too tough to where, the veterans will figure out, Oh, he actually doesn't know this part of it. Right. Like, Oh, he doesn't know this thing. And then they can, they can expose you. So he's going to have to find a way to turn those short little minutes uh, in which he's successful into extended stretches now. 
Right. And, you know, and I think, uh, the, I think what the Jazz really missed off the bench, uh, this is about to be fun, but, you know, they missed Emmanuel Moutier, right? Yeah. They, yeah. They missed his ability to, to come off the bench and handle the basketball, get to the basket, um, and, and be aggressive and kind of take some possessions from, from Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's not going to play tomorrow night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, so they're going to miss, they're going to miss him tomorrow night as well. So, you know, the jazz bench is going to be a little stretched and a little thin, uh, there as well. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this question, Tony. It, I think Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovich in the starting live together are good and are important, but Joe Ingles has not shot the ball well yet. Right. Joe Ingles doesn't seem to be in the rhythm that we're used to seeing him in. Is the is the six man role right for him, or is it just going to take time to 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 adjust? You know, I think it's going to take time to adjust. But you know, here's the thing: the Jazz don't want Joe playing the four um, consistently. Yeah, um, because they don't want to have they don't want him to have to guard that position. Um, they don't want to they don't want to promote wear and tear on his body. And right now, as you see with Bojan Bogdanovic, probably the weakest part of his game is defensive rebounding. Um, and so, you know, and, and Royce O'Neal is, is Utah's best traffic rebounder, uh, at least among the perimeter guys. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a fit, and I think that the Jazz are, are, are going to keep at it for a while. Um, you know, and obviously the Jazz want that, that, that lineup at to close games, close close halves and close games. Um, that lineup was like plus eleven at the close of the first half against the Clippers. Yeah. Um, but it really suffered. The same lineup kind of suffered um, at the at the end of the game. Um, you know, it, it's it's a delicate balance. Look, I, here's the thing. I think the Jazz have played a pretty tough schedule right now. As of now, they've played seven games. Um, probably the only game out of the seven games that they played against a complete, I don't want to say patsy, but a, a team that just wasn't as good as them or not capable of really hurting them offensively is against, Oklahoma, is against Oklahoma City. You know, the other six games you're playing against either really, really, really good competition or you're playing against somebody um, who, had, who, you know, has a chance to, who can beat you on, on an off day like Sacramento. Right. So, right. you know, the Suns have turned out to be much better than anybody expected. So, you know, that, that game turned, turned from a cupcake game into a really, really difficult game. So I think the jazz have played a, a, a tough schedule up to this point. And I think that they've had a tough logistical schedule to this point. You know, they've either traveled or played, you know, every, every day for, for like the last week and a half. You know, so I think by the time we got to Sunday, I mean, I think the Jazz were a little bit tired. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they look tomorrow, you know, when they have a, a full day of rest, a full practice day, you know, some time to, to catch their legs. is Because, you know, tomorrow against Philly, like, that's that's going to be a real test for them, right? Because you got to keep Joel Embiid off the board. Yeah. You got to keep Al Horford off the, off the glass. You got to keep Ben and De- Ben Simmons off the glass. You got to keep Tobias Harris off the glass. You got to keep that entire team out of transition. And Joel Embiid is, um, every bit as good, 
an offensive player as Rudy Gobert is a def- defensive player. Um, so Rudy is not going to be around to just, you know, randomly help people at the basket defensively. So right. it's it, matchup wise, you know, Philly is really, really a tough matchup for the jazz. So it's going to be interesting to see how they look, um, on Wednesday and on Friday, uh, against, you know, the two best teams in the Eastern conference. Yeah. I mean that, that Philly matchup been not- you know, it's, it's worth knowing Joel Embiid coming back from that suspension tomorrow, right? Like he's, it's not just going to be another game. It's going to be a game in which one he's already going to want to, you know, prove himself against Rudy Gobert, right? Like he's going to, he's going to want to revel in that matchup and whether he uh, attacks that matchup properly or not, like that's something he's going, he's going to want to have a great game against Rudy Gobert just because it's Gobert, not even because it's, he's great. And you know, he's a great basketball player and he's coming back from the suspension, but then coming back to the suspension too, he wants to remind everybody that this is, you know, this is still the best center in the league. Uh, he wants to be that he wants to prove that. And on top of that, like we, you mentioned with the the Sixers in the matchup, man, that's a big, ugly playing team, right? Like they just want to muck things up. Like they just want to get things completely disgusting on the floor and bully you and be physical and beat you up. Um, it's a very old school mentality. It's a very big lineup and the jazz are going to have to go in there and they can play dirty, right? They can play ugly games. They can play, you know, defensive minded games, but they just, this just may be a really sloppy effort in which the, the potential shooting of the jazz Tony could be the swing in this game one, because it's at home, but two, because the Sixers don't really have a whole lot of shooting. So if you can get right. if you can get some open shots early, which is tough to do against this the Sixers team, they have enough issues with turnovers and they have enough issues with shooting that you could get on top of them a little bit and then maintain, but that's also very hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to do because what does Philly do well? They shrink space on both sides of the floor. And and that's, you know, against the team like the jazz, like at best case scenario, the jazz want to, they want to run offense. Um, they have a lot of sets, a lot of intricacies within their sets, a lot of counters within them with, within their sets. And they aren't running the offense at a high level as of yet, because of seven games into the season. And, you know, Quinn Snyder's offense never really runs at a high level, seven games into a season. So, you already have that there. And then you have, um, then you have a team, you know, defensively, you have Embiid, you have Simmons, you have Josh Richardson, you have Horford, um, you know, you have Tobias Harris. I mean, you know, passing lanes are going to be, are are going to be shrinked, shrank. Um, you know, space is going to be shrank. I mean, it's, it's a team, it's a team that's capable of running the jazz, out of Vivint Smart Home Arena. And, you know, if the Jazz don't play well, and coincidentally, I mean, obviously that is exactly what Philly did to the Jazz last year. Um, they really got on top of them at home and, and, and you know, they killed them um, at Vivint. So, you know, it, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a really tough matchup for the Jazz and it's going to be a really good test for them. And then having to come back in two nights later and having to play against Giannis, and yeah. we know what kind of kind of matchup matchup issues that he poses. So, yeah, it's you know that's that's why like I said, look when the schedule came out, I said look, don't be surprised if the Jazz was something like thirteen and twelve after twenty five games because it's a tough first twenty five. So, you know, um, the Jazz is just going to have to get through this real really first difficult part of the schedule. 
um, you know, they're going to drop some games and they're going to win some games and, you know, you know, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the jazz is going to win a lot more games than they lose. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, back to the Philly match real quick, we talked about the rebounding issues of the King or the Kings against the Kings against the, especially the Clippers lately. Uh, the, the Sixers are the number one defensive rebounding team in the league and the number one offensive rebounding team in the league. Like they control the boards like that. They are that good. And so if you thought the off, you know, the, the offensive boards given up were an issue before, like Philly uses that size. They are bullying teams. They're not just abandoning offensive rebounds to get back in transition. Like they know that that's part of keeping their offensive efficiency high is extending those possessions. Well, that's because they know that they can't shoot. Right. Exactly. So, they know they're putting one up and it's like, all right, everybody get to the board. Cause someone's going right. to grab it. Exactly. It's like the old school Georgetown Hoyer teams, like those, those Alonzo Mourning and Georgetown Hoyer teams that had Joey Brown at point guard. Like they knew that they weren't making any of their first shots. Right. So what they did, they, they just <laughs> sent Alonzo and they just sent the Kimbe Matambo to, to the glass and they tried to rebound and they tried to, and they rebounded those misses and they, you know, they Moses Malone did and, 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 and scored off offensive rebounds. That's what that's what this Philly team does. They yeah. score they score three ways. They score off the offensive boards, they score in transition, and they score at the foul line. Like right now, their best shooter is Al Horford. Like he's yeah. he's he's their best shooter. Well, maybe Tobias Harris. But those guys, I mean, they're not gonna come out and if the percentages are true, they're not gonna come out and hit a bunch of threes. Uh, at a crazy high percentage, but what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to penetrate. They're going to get into the lane. They're going to stretch your defense out, um, and then they're going to go and and they're going to try to rebound rebound it and put it back in. Yeah, and and on the other end of that too, Jazz are, are one of the worst teams in the league with with turnovers, right? And the the Sixers turn the ball over a ton, but they also force the highest percentage of turnovers in the league. So right. that's another thing that the Jazz have to be very careful with in this matchup because we know that the Sixers will try to force turnovers. Right. Because the Jazz, because the Sixers really shrink the floor yeah. defensively. So, you know, what the Jazz are going to have to do, they're going to have to run crisp offense. Um, what's going to be really imperative for them is, and they haven't done this yet this year, uh, what's going to be really imperative for them is when they get an open shot, that open shot has to go in. Yeah, um, Absolutely. You know, and they miss, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why the Clippers were able to get back into the game. Jazz missed three consecutive open threes um, at the end of the third quarter on Sunday night. Two of those were by Joe Ingles. I mean, wide open. Nobody wide, wide open. Yeah. Things, you know, threes that Joe Ingles, you know, usually just always makes. And he missed them. And if he hits both of those threes, the Jazz are up 10 going into the fourth quarter. He misses. He makes one of them. They're they're up seven going into the fourth quarter. He misses both. It's a sixty nine sixty five game, and all of a sudden the Clippers have a lot of life. Yep. Right. Yep. So and it's a make or miss league. You give Kawhi life. It's uh, it's about over. Uh, the other MVP candidate, Giannis, you mentioned they face him on Friday. Uh, that's a very different matchup than than what the Sixers game would be. That you know the the Bucks like to play a little bit prettier brand of basketball. They're the best team at making shots in this league. They have the highest effective field goal percentage. They don't turn the ball over that much. Um, they don't try to offensive rebound. They get back in transition. Uh, they rebound really well, uh, but they don't force a lot of turnovers. That that gives the Jazz a little bit more room to, to kind of operate offensively. Um, defensively though, we know that the, the bucks are trying to put up a lot of threes, right? 
Um, and, right. and it's something the jazz don't give up a lot of, right. The jazz are one of the best at, at keeping three point percentages or the three point volume low, but the bucks really do test that. And so that'll be an interesting matchup to me. Yeah. The, the thing that's interesting is, um, I think Giannis is the best player in the league at forcing transition, right? Like he can get, he can get a rebound and he can get through your entire defense one on four, one on five. Doesn't matter if you're if you're back. Doesn't matter if you've built a wall. Giannis can still get that rebound, push on the break. Um, so transition defense for the Jazz is going to be really, really paramount. Um, and the ability to just kind of keep Giannis out. You want to try to keep Giannis off the foul line, and you want to try to make him score. Uh, outside of eight feet. Um, if you can do those things, you might have half a chance. But if not, he's just going to absolutely destroy you, and he's a good enough passer um, that he can hurt you uh, with his playmaking as well. So, you know, I mean, yeah, and and they're going to try to they're going to try to pull Rudy away from the basket, right? Like they they they'll put they'll keep Brook Lopez on the perimeter they'll keep you know they'll play Giannis at the 5 and keep him as as a primary ball handler on the perimeter like they they're not going to make it easy for Rudy to stay around the basket so the Jazz have to get pretty creative defensively yeah i mean you know last year they 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 put Rudy on Giannis yeah um and which i i actually like that idea because you it, you know he wants to go to the basket. I don't like the idea of giving Giannis a, a head of steam going to the basket, but if it's Rudy as the one giving him that, I think you you give the defender a little bit more credit than than most. Um, but also, like if he wants to just shoot jumpers all day and he hits them, I think you let him win that way. Yeah, but the problem is when you have Rudy on Giannis, um, and this is what you found out, this is what happened last year, the problem with Rudy on Giannis was whenever we're, Giannis got a rebound. It was just a complete mismatch in transition because Rudy's not going to be able to get back. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's the problem with having Rudy on Giannis. If you can, so that makes that puts an onus on the Jazz to score. Like that means okay, you got to score because those guys got to take the ball out of the net. If you don't score and Giannis gets the rebound, it's over. Um, <laughs> it's over. He's going to, he's just going to score in transition because Rudy's not going to be able to get back there because Rudy's the primary defender. Um, so, you know, you know, you could do that or you could put, put Royce O'Neal, uh, on Giannis, but the problem with that is then that make that means Rudy's guarding Brooke Lopez and then Brooke Lopez just gets to camp outside and, and shoot threes. Yeah. Um, so it's, Man, it's 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 a really tough week for the Jazz, just matchup wise. You know, ideally you want to face these guys. Probably probably wouldn't want to face these guys consecutively <laughs> because it's just it's just it's just that's a lot, man. That's a, that's a lot. lot to deal with. Yeah. Um, one interesting note too, I want to mention about this Bucks Jazz matchup. Uh, Bucks and Jazz are both two of the four best first quarter teams in the league. And then the jazz are pretty even after that. They're not, not too high, not too low when it comes to second, third and fourth quarter, the bucks monster, second quarter team, monster, fourth quarter team. But one of the worst third quarter teams in the league so far this year, something's happening after the halftime. It might be randomness, but it's been enough games to where, you know, that's how Boston got back in the game. That's how a couple of teams have, have kind of gotten on top of them early on jazz might have a, 
have a chance there if that trend continues to come out of halftime and really kind of flip the game on its head. I'm I'm picturing it as this. Getting the halftime, Eric Bledsoe walks into the locker room and said, Okay, guys, listen, it's my show in the third <laughs> Yeah, well, I got this. <laughs> like it's it's my time. Giannis, you spot up. Brooke, you you set me a you you set me a screen and roll. I'm yeah. I'm just gonna do my thing. Just give me twelve minutes. And the whole time George Hill was just <laughs> shaking his head, looking at him like, oh man, but here we go again. <laughs> It's weird, man. I, uh, Eric Bledsoe used to be held in such high regard, and now we're just kind of like, well, hopefully he doesn't hurt them too much tonight. <laughs> man, I, you know, I, do you think he's lost a step? I think he's lost a couple steps. I think so, too. Like, he he used to be, like, he used to just be, just beep, beep, just on top yeah. of the basket. Like, and, he, and, he's, and he's not, and he's not, yeah, he, I, he doesn't seem to have that quick jump anymore. You right. know, on top of that. So it's not just the first step. It's a quick jump. And then he's just not a good enough shooter to where team, teams aren't worried about him beating them. Right, right. So it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, what do you think happens this, this week with the Jazz? I think they'll split them. I think they lose. I think they lose the Sixers. And I think they, they beat the Bucks. Yeah, because stylistically, the Bucks are a better matchup for the Jazz. Yeah, I, I don't like the matchup. I, I mean, I really think the I think the Sixers will get will will get real physical with them inside. They'll get real physical with them on the boards. I think the Jazz will struggle to adjust to that. I think the Jazz yeah. will probably look to the refs a little bit too much in that game um, with a style of play like that. And I think it'll ultimately hurt them. I don't think it's a blowout loss by any means, but um, I think the Sixers will will just. Uh, handle them without blowing them out. If that makes sense. Uh, and then, and then I think it fuels the jazz to come out and Friday night and, you know, and, and really take it to the bucks and, and kind of win it by, I don't know, two, three possessions, uh, but have the bucks kind of in and out of that game. Well, one thing with the bucks that you have to, 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 to realize is by the time they get to Friday, they, they, there's a potential. They could be pretty tired. Because yeah. they have the Clippers on Wednesday. Although, no Kawhi Leonard. Load management. Oh, Kawhi's out. Kawhi's out. But they might have an easy time on Wednesday. But there's still the taxing LA lifestyle. We won't we can we can we can know that that might be a thing on uh, on Tuesday night, and sometimes that can carry over. Ah, uh, LA lifestyle is undefeated. LA lifestyle is undefeated. And as we as we saw with the Rockets uh, heat. Uh, the seven a.m. Call, seven a.m. call time is undefeated too in South Beach. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. Well, yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be a really interesting. Listen, I think if the Jazz get through this week with a split, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, I um, think that. I think that's. I think that's about as well as you can think. Like these two right. teams, and not that the Jazz are, but these two teams are great. These right. are two they're, great teams. I mean, they the Jazz are playing against the Eastern Conference Finals this yeah. week. Right. Like that's 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 what they're playing against. So if they can find a way to split that, you know, next week you got Golden State, uh, you got Golden State and Brooklyn in the back to back. Then you have a couple of days off, and then you have then you have Memphis. Yeah, you. Um, I mean, you you should yeah. be able to to three and zero that week. You should be able to three and zero. Yeah, that week. you never know, <laughs> but, but you know, in you never theory, know. you should be able to three and zero that week. 
Uh, before we get out of here, uh, the update. We mentioned the injury to Ed Davis. We mentioned Emmanuel Moutier uh, still, being, still being out and hampered a little bit. But the imminent return of Dante Exum, what's the latest? Well, um, my sources are telling me that he could. This is not a hard definite, but he could return on Friday uh, if everything goes well. So he he went through full practice for the first time today. Um, he's not going to play tomorrow night. Um, but if, you know, everything goes well, uh, if he responds well to, to uh, treatment, um, he could. Not a definite, but he could he could play Friday against uh, one quick question uh, regarding Ed Davis stuff. This is from at C A A A Nelson. Uh, tagged us with the game notes T A hashtag, which we can take your Twitter questions with that. Uh, mentioning the Ed Davis injury, mentioning the need for rebounding and maybe energy off the bench, asked if the Jazz could go after Kenneth Farid, who is a free agent, Tony. Uh, I don't see them making any moves though to the roster, right? They're they're pretty set with those contracts. Yeah, they're not going to make any moves. Um, number one, they're set with the contract. Number two, you know, they'd have to cut somebody to bring somebody in. I don't think they're at that point. Number three, I mean, Ed Davis will be back in a month. Yeah. So, I'll you know, say number four. I, we probably won't agree on this. Kenneth Freed's not any good. Well, that's number four. Number five, yeah. they want to. <laughs> number five, they want to see what they have in Tony Bradley. Like this is yeah. a chance to. Like you've already committed. So this is his third year. You've committed to a fourth year, and. You know, he's played exactly one game in three years um, with meaningful rotation minutes. So it's time to see what you have in Tony Bradley for good or for, for better or for worse. So, all right. That's going to do it for us. Check out Tony's coverage of the Utah Jazz on The Athletic. If you're not already doing that, you're out of your mind. You got to do that. Subscribe. Uh, make sure to tell your friends about this podcast. You get the free episodes every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever we end up putting them out. And then you get subscriber only podcasts. That will have some interviews, uh, all kinds of fun stuff with myself and with Tony especially. So make sure you check those out on The Athletic. Uh, follow Tony on Twitter. What are you, T-Jones? T-Jones on the NBA. T-Jones on the NBA. I'm Talk Hoops. And, of course, follow The Athletic and The Athletic NBA. Uh, for Tony Jones, I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for listening to Game Notes. Game Notes.